Hello and welcome to Inspired, your grown-up girl talk. I'm Stacy Fleece here with co-host Samantha Tradelius. What's going on, girl? Hello, co-host Stacy Fleece. It's me, Samantha. So excited to see you on this wonderful Friday we're recording. I know, right? End of the week and and uh, weekend on the horizon. It's all good. Word on the street is that it's still raining in California. Well, it okay. It uh, it hadn't rained all week. It is raining today, but I think this is it. Think I think it? spring starts tomorrow and we're done. Okay. I'm just, well, I'm putting it out there again for the second time, seeing if it works this time. I'm not looking forward to coming home next week to uh, colder temperatures of what I've been dealing with here in Florida, but the dream must come to an end. So I was with some friends yesterday for a birthday party and, and there we were talking a little bit about how we miss COVID and not COVID the disease, but some of the things that came out of COVID, like, um, there was a there was a night that she had rented out a movie theater and it was me and my daughter and her and her mom and that was it in the movie mm-hmm. theater she and her mom sat on one side piper and i sat on the other and so we kind of miss fun th- fun interesting things like that she now has to go into work three days a week she also hates that i don't blame her yeah but um i i get that i get that anyway i i feel like there was some good that came out of COVID. um some good individual stories. And our guest today, Julianne Bartolota, is actually at one of the COVID product good stories. Um, I, Julianne, first of all, welcome. And secondly, I'm not entirely sure you'd be doing what you're doing today if COVID hadn't happened. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, it's so great to be here. And yeah, I well, being a fashion designer has always been a dream of mine, but I never thought I would be able to do it so young in my life. And I feel like I have COVID to thank for that. You you are incredibly talented, young and and um, just uh, so driven. And I, I love your stuff. But let's back up a little bit because you, uh, first of all, you do come from a big family, oldest of five girls. Yeah. So you've got four coming up behind you, all looking up to you. Mm-hmm. And um, really, your love of fashion and design really stemmed from your home life, from your mom, correct? Yep, that's correct. Um, my mom, she taught herself how to sew, and she was always sewing things for me and my sisters and our friends and family. Um, so I kind of got a first taste of fashion through my mom. Um, and then that's kind of like where my journey started. Um, and then I actually ended up going to University of Delaware and learning how to sew there. And um, I double majored in apparel design and fashion merchandising. And then that kind of just started my fashion trajectory. My so career. setting yourself up for success already, which is amazing. And and you had an amazing job already at a young age uh, in, a, in a large major retailer. And then COVID hit. So step step in at that point how did how did covid send you to now your own design company mm-hmm. okay so basically when covid hit i was furloughed from my job just like so many other people and um i remember sitting at home in my kitchen and then the house phone rang and i was in the kitchen with my mom and my sisters and it was my dad frantically calling saying that he owns a nursing home so he was saying that They ran out of PPE. They had a big COVID outbreak and he needed me and my mom to sew over 200 masks for the staff and the nurses. 
And um, my dad was working around the clock. So he wasn't even, he couldn't even come home that night. So me and my mom were like frantic. We ran to Walmart. It was the only store open. And I remember being in the fabric aisle with my mom and trying to pick out like which fabric to choose. And we came across this like bright yellow um, cotton fabric with this blue paisley design. And it was like the only fabric that was like patterned and really bright and happy. And we were like, let's go with this one because it'll make people feel happy. Right. Um, so then we went home, we set up shop in the kitchen, we set up a folding table, my sewing machine, my mom's sewing machine. And we just like started sewing away, making these masks. Um, and then my one sister, Diana, she was like, oh, I want to learn how to sew. Like, can you guys teach me? So we ended up teaching her how to sew too. And we were just like round the clock, like taking it's, turns. Like it's now making... a family affair. Yeah. Um, it took us a, a couple days, actually probably like three days. And, but we, but we finished all the masks and we gave them to my dad. He took them back to the nursing home and everyone loved them. They said that it made them feel so happy. And even the residents were saying that they loved the masks because it made them feel safe whenever their nurse would come into the room, um, which really meant, which really meant a lot to me and my mom. And then word kind of spread that we made these masks and people were reaching out to me and my mom asking if they could buy them. And, um, you know, we weren't really expecting that, but so then my mom started making masks on the side. I started making masks and then, and then I figured, let me just make an Etsy and post some of these masks and see what happens. And I got really creative with them. I started making them with like little bows. Um, I even started like tie dyeing fabric and making tie dye masks. Mask, and, uh, mask couture. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. And it ended up taking off. And then I I started venturing into other things like hair scrunchies and headbands, bags, bathing suits, dresses, all made by me. And um, it was so fun. And it really kept me busy throughout my entire furlough, which was probably like over six months, I would have to say. And then when I got brought back to my job, I, you know, I missed being my own boss. I missed designing what I wanted to design and, um, you know, not having someone to report to. And, but I still kept my Etsy. So I was doing both at the same time. And the orders kept, like, I didn't even have to like promote it. The orders just like kept coming in. And it really gave me the confidence to branch off and to pursue this. And I really struggled with the decision to leave. Um, I was there for so long. I never got promoted my, during my, my three years there. I never got, I never felt recognized for the work that I was doing, but I got that recognition from my own um, side hustle. And every reason that I had for keeping my job, it just felt like it was slipping away. And whenever I would focus on my side hustle, that's where everything felt so easy. So I Which eventually, is so, I'm going to interrupt you because it's so interesting because so many people say the op, you know, they'll say that the, the side business brings them such passion, but it isn't necessarily something that brings them a lot of joy at first because it's so scary. Right. But mm -hmm. I think you were able to take such a negative moment in the world and start creating something that was bringing joy to people that, and then was like giving you joy, which is totally amazing. And, um, you know, to be able to help people that actually could say like, your mask is bringing me joy. You know, something as simple as fabric. 
Um, mm -hmm. So your line, I, I was just so excited to check it out. Um, it's got some great pop and colors. It's got some pants, cat suits, some, yeah. some, you know, skirts, dresses. Tell us a lot, a little bit of like about this inspiration for this line. And, and don't forget the heart buttons. I, I mean, it is, it is I love those. near and dear. Thank you. Um, yeah. So basically with my brand, I kind of want to keep the same idea that I had with the masks. I want people to feel like a light in a dark room. I want the clothes to kind of do the talking for them, make them feel happy and confident. So that's why you'll see um, bright pops of color, uh, the flashy heart buttons. I try to put something special into each piece and give the customer a reason to buy it. You know, you don't want to spend a lot of money on like a regular white sweater when you can spend that money on a really good quality, flashy, cute piece. So that's my thinking with But they're everything. also like super capsule based too. So it's like they're they're items that are not really they're they're on trend, but they're also things that are not gonna phase out, like a, a great pencil skirt or you know, a great right. little cardigan or a bolero. Like who doesn't love a bolero? My God. <laughs> So I think, um, you know, the idea behind it is something that can last you for a long time and it's great quality stuff too. Right. That I, Each collection that I've done so far, um, I try to make it a capsule collection. So I try to give the, uh, the ability to mix and match some of the pieces, but also pieces for different functions. So there's like a dress up option, there's a more casual, and um, I try to, you know, diversify so that there's something for everyone too. Well, and you, I want to clarify, you design all these pieces yourself, correct? Yes. Everything in the collection is designed by me here in New York. And then everything is made in Italy. And I use the same luxury factories that a lot of big luxury brands use, like Hermes and Ferragamo, Chloe. Um, so it's really good quality stuff at the same time. But you have a little bit more personal connection to Italy than just this is what the big houses use. Yes. So I decided to make everything in Italy to pay homage to my Italian heritage as well. Um, I'm an Italian citizen. My dad, my dad and um, my dad's an Italian citizen and my grandparents are born and raised in Sicily. So being having um, my brand made in Italy is something that's also really important to me. And also the Italians, they view fashion as art. So they put a lot of care and time into each piece the factories are very small so each piece only gets passed between like maybe two to three people and they spend a lot of time on each um on each uh style so it's it's something that just made really made sense to me so here's a question for you so when you design a line do you it's it's not obviously made to order because it's you know you're in new york and purchasers maybe in the States and you don't want to have to go to Europe. So how much do you decide to like order and buy? So, okay. So I always love this, these questions. Yeah. <laughs> so if you can find a factory that has no minimums, like that is ideal when starting off. Um, but most of them do have minimums. And that's one of the benefits of having things made in Italy too, is that they, they can give you small units um, whereas if you were to make something in China, you know, your minimums might be like 500 or a thousand units. My, I, um, because I'm starting off, I am getting really small units, which I'm very happy about. Um, and it also gives this perception of 
exclusivity. You know, there's only mm-hmm. a limited amount. Um, so that kind of like goes in hand with the whole luxury um, story. So, yeah. So I basically do a bulk order in advance and then I try to sell it here. I like it. So how are, how's business been going? I mean, you've been up for what, almost three years now. And um, how are you getting, are you just all online? Are you doing trunk shows? Are you in boutiques? Like, tell us about your marketing strategy. So I actually only launched my brand in November of last year. I've only, yeah. So I've only been doing this for what, like five months now, like not even. Um, And it's been a whirlwind. Like I left my job in January of last year. So I've been working on this for well over a year, but I, you know, it takes a long time to get things up and running before you can actually launch. And ever since launching, I mean, it's been crazy. All the opportunities have just been like flooding in, like even being on this podcast was an opportunity I didn't think would come to me. Um, But I, my main focus right now is just spreading the word, getting the word out. I've been doing pop-ups. I actually just did a pop-up in LA, my first ever pop-up with this group called the modern day wife. You know, that's how you guys found me too. Um, And that was such a great experience because I've been in New York trying to sell in New York and the, you know, the, the customer in New York is more conservative. They're more reserved. So they're gravitating towards the black stuff, but they're saying that they like the color, but the black, the black pieces, that's like what's what really sells here. And then being out in LA, everyone was flocking to the colorful sweaters. So I was like, okay, like my customers out here too. They just like different things. Um, So I'm learning a lot about my customer. And now that I just did that one pop-up, I'm trying to think, okay, I want to do more pop-ups, get it in front of people. So I'm actually in the process of creating a pop-up schedule to carry me through the fall of this year. And um, we're going to be in Brooklyn. We're going to be in San Francisco, LA, maybe even Atlanta. I don't know. Ooh, Um, I like it. So I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to get the word out and, um, that's basically my my main focus right now. As of right now, you can only shop online. I'm not in any boutiques yet. I'm trying. Um, but hopefully, you know, once I get the word out and everything, that'll start to change. When you put out a new um, line, like, is it once a year? Is it like, is it seasonal? Like how? And, and you launched in November of last year, but there had to have been a good period of time that you had to do all the work up front leading up to that. So for you, it probably started how, like, how, what's the lead time when you say I launched first collection, November 22, what was the lead time on that? So I originally wanted to launch in September, um, but you know, starting getting that timeline down is like, it's really hard when you don't really have anything to base it off of. So I was thinking, okay, fall, fall, fall. And then fall kind of turned into like a late fall winter. Um, Looking back, I probably would have started with just two collections a year. Right now I have two collections out. I'm going to launch my summer collection around Memorial Day weekend. Um, And now I'm thinking of fall 23. The lead time I would say for me, because I'm just one person, I don't have to jump through as many hoops as like, if I were at my previous job or if I were at a corporate company, um, if I were somewhere else, lead time is usually like a year. 
but I'm able to work, I would say like six to eight months in advance. Which is crazy because as a consumer, we just think like, oh, it just shit just magically appears on the, on the racks. Right. It doesn't even dawn. I mean, the more conversations I have like this, the more realization I have of like how this stuff actually takes a long time, but you don't really think about it. And Mm -hmm. I think the hardest part is like, What's hip and happening in January isn't necessarily going to be hip and happening in September. So how are you supposed to know? It's really hard. Honestly, like when I was at my previous job, we had a lot of tools like WGSN is um, a trend forecasting site and they kind of give you like the heads up, like these are the colors for the season. There's also um, fabric shows in Italy and they kind of give their trend reports to you as well. So that's basically how I've been basing color um for my collection like who makes those decisions is there like some you know fashion god that's like this year's magenta i was just thinking like is it really a trend that consumers are establishing or are we being handed the trend like hey consumers here's your trend here's what we're doing yeah this is this is what you get honestly it's kind of a little bit of both you know like there are some like trend gurus out there who are saying like oh this is going to be the next thing of the season but you can also kind of tell like what's gonna pop off and what's not you know um a lot of these trend forecasting sites like they look to micro influencers and they look to what people are doing that that's different and like can't is that something that has legs is that something that people can get behind so i'm trying to do that work on myself too like i follow a lot of influencers and a lot of micro influencers to kind of see what are people up to like what's something that's like different that i can see kind of like grasping, you know, and um, it's not easy. It's really not easy. And you have to t- be able to take risks and kind of judge for yourself is, can I see a lot of people getting behind this idea? Well, it's not always um, like for everybody. Like I remember when the cottage core came out or the like, yeah. whatever they were, remember Amanda was telling us. Yeah, the cottage couture. I oh, it was just like, what, what is this? Little House yeah. on the Prairie needs to die on the prairie. <laughs> None of us were vibing on it. And we're in San Francisco and that was like not our no. vibe, right? But then you go to LA or you go, we were actually in um, Spain and everyone was hardcore cottage couturing. And it was, mm. I mean, it looks fine. It looks great, yeah. but it's Just hard to, yeah, but it's hard to, I think, to to pick pick a focus that is going to, you know, get the masses, you know, get their little antennas up and be like, hey, I want to get into this. Um, what are some of the things that have totally blown you away with this process? Like what is, what is like some of the things you had no idea from going from retail sales to now manufacturing? Like what was the biggest eye opener? So actually at my previous job, I was in product development. So I was already designing and everything. So that was the piece that was the most comfortable to me, like designing, manufacturing, all that stuff came very easy. It's everything else that really <laughs> scared See, me. I was thinking that'd be the hardest part. At all. <laughs> I've, I've had to learn so many different jobs doing this. Like I had to code my website. I never thought that I would have to code and like See, it seemed so daunting to me. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It took me months, but I'm, you know, I surprised myself because I, learned how to do it and I I made my whole website all by myself and it looks and good. Really super impressive. You. It looks really I couldn't do that. No, I've not a chance. Yeah. Not I'm out. I'm out. It, it took me a very long time. And and also like 
throughout this process, I've learned that I'm not the master at everything and I'm not going to be the master at everything. I have to ask people and rely on the masters of their um, subject to help me. So when it came to like even creating my logo, I'm like, I'm not a graphic designer. I don't think that I'm a graphic designer, but I know graphic designers and I know that I can lean on them. So there was this one girl who I actually met through my boyfriend's friend. Um, and she's a graphic designer for Aerie. And I became friends with her and I was like, I, you know, I really would love if you could do my logo. This is the kind of vision, but I'm going to let you take it and run with it and have fun with it and come back and show me and I'll give you my feedback. And I really leaned on her and she did an amazing job with my logo. Um, so there's things like that where I, I had to learn how to delegate and kind of like let go of the reins. Well, that's um, a hard lesson to learn. And especially only being, you know, five months post launch. I mean, that's pretty incredible that you've learned it. It took me years of being a business owner to be like, you know what? I really, I really can't do it all. Yeah. But it's, it's great to have those people in your space or be able to like be comfortable to say, Hey sis, I need a little help here. Um, and we call that in our world skirt working where we tap on our sisters to, to help Mm -hmm. us out a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. So leaning on her was really great. Um, and then, you know, there's like other things that I had to figure out for myself, like like patterning and grading. Like I haven't done that since college. And that's like super important because that's how you get your sizing. Um, so nailing that down, I had to, I had to learn how to do that as well. Um, the more things that I can learn, the better, but there are some things that like, I know I can't do it all and I have to lean on other people. So having that balance This may be a hot take, but I don't know why sizing is so hard because frankly, everyone just does their own fucking sizing the way they want. And there I know. I was just going to ask that. Like, why is it a six? Always a six. I I know it's hard, you know, like I industry. Yeah. Well, I feel like everyone has their own sizing and that's kind of, that's kind of like what makes it so hard is because you want someone who's a small across the board to be a small for you, but then, you know, you have to compare it against, okay, like what's this brand doing? What's this brand doing? If she's a small here, is she going to be a small here? So it's hard. And like, um, also with fabric, like the sizing, it's hard to predict a small in a sweater versus a small in a woven fabric that doesn't have that much give. So knowing how to like how much, um, give you should have in between sizes. That's also what makes it hard, even within my own brand, you know, like I need to make sure that my, my sweater skirt that has a lot of stretch in a size small is going to fit the, the woman who's a size small in my woven satin skirt. So that's something that also I was struggling with. All right. That's fair. I'll give you I that. I never thought about it to think about it from like yeah. a fabric give standpoint, which now makes sense. But what about like when you're ordering, you know, something on Amazon and it's, I'm like a size nine XL when it comes to ordering a legging because they're all made for Lego characters, not women with, you know, any, any skin on their bones. Um, but it's interesting to think about the the type of fabric. I'm going to like, that's a, that's a good takeaway. I really like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. That's very good. So um, what is, uh, what's up next? Like you're going to be doing pop-ups. You're going to be, obviously you got another collection coming out, which is pretty exciting. Is it got to have some more pop of color? 
Oh, yes. I'm so excited about my summer collection. I feel like each collection is getting better and better because I'm learning like what people are gravitating to and like what they're not responding to. I already um, love the pink, by the way, just if you're the wondering. The pink is really the good. Is darling. Oh, darling. Uh, for summer, my bright pop of color is this like electric blue. And I did, a, I had one electric blue piece in my previous collection. It's the super cropped sweater. Um, so I'm carrying that blue through into the blue summer. Is and good. The blue is good. I'm yeah. so excited about that. Um, and then I have some crochet and like some, I have this like one black two piece that I think a lot of people are going to like. Um, but what's up next, I would say my pop-ups. Um, I'm actually going to go back to California very soon in May to keep like spreading the word. Um, I had, I actually just did a TV interview of this week on Monday on the Donna Drake show. So that's supposed to be airing in the next couple of weeks, which I'm like super excited about too. Um, and you know, I don't really know what the rest of the summer and the rest of the years is, is going to bring. I feel like things keep popping up. All these opportunities just keep kind of like coming to me um, the more that I spread the word. So I'm just, I'm really excited to see what the rest of the year holds. I'm excited too. I'm going to see you in May because I'm going to be at that event. That's oh, coming really? up. Yeah, I'm going to be there. I don't think oh. Stacy's going to be there because I think she's got a somebody graduating from college. I have a college graduation to attend. But you know what? You're going to need to buy a dress to go to graduation. So I think I we've got that. The, the I, already, covered. I already nailed it down a few weeks ago. I'm, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Um, so here's the thing, Julian. You are, first of all, an, an amazing young female entrepreneur. We obviously love she brands. Um, but the fact that you took this leap of faith in yourself at a relatively young age is a huge deal. So I want you to know that. And I want you to give yourself the grace that you've earned for that. You also, though, have four younger sisters coming up behind you. What kind of role model, and I hate that word, but for lack of a better one, uh, are, you know, are they role model pieces? Are they taking away from seeing what you're doing? So my, my dad growing up would always say during dinner, he would always ask us like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, what's your plan? What's your, what are your goals? And he is really like the, the reason why I'm able to do what I'm doing today. Um, he always taught us to dream big and to be the best at what we do. And I'm trying to show my sisters what they can achieve if they dream big and if they um, love what they do and they're best, they try to be the best at what they do. So I'm trying to like keep those things in my head and, and inspire them along the way. Um, and that's really like what, what motivates me too. Which is amazing. I come from an Italian family too. And uh, I know I know the bond of family is huge and I can hear it in your voice. And just think about like what they are seeing you do and you're not even maybe realizing it the way you're leading and the way they're watching. So it's pretty mm -hmm. cool to kind of watch that transfer. Are they involved at all in your business? Yes. My one sister, Caroline, um, she's the middle child. She is like my go-to model. She, if you go on my website, she's like all over the website. <laughs> um, but she, she's like my size small. So she does all of like my fit modeling for me. So when I, when the samples come in, I put them on her and I like fit it to her. And then um, she also does my 
my modeling for the marketing and like the editorial photo shoots and stuff and for the website. So she's very involved. And then when it also comes to like creative decisions, like color and stuff, she'd be like, oh, why don't you do this color? Or, oh, I don't like, I don't like this, like change this or whatever. So she gives me that, that feedback that I need. Um, so she's very involved. My mom is also my partner. So my mom, you know, she's like my confidant. She is always helping me and there for me too. Um, she, I like to call her like my momager. <laughs> she's like I my Christian. It. I love <laughs> um, it. And then, you know, my other two sisters there, like my, my one sister, Michelle, she's in high school. And then my one sister, Isabella, she's in middle school. So she, they're a little too young to help. Um, and then my other sister, Diana, she's up in Boston. So she's not around, but, you know, they all support me. They all see what I'm doing. And if I ever need them for advice or a decision or to make up my mind on something, they're there for me. So. I love it. I love it. Where can our listeners find you? What's your website? So my website is juliannebartolota.com. Um, Instagram is the same thing, just Julianne Bartolota. And then we also have a presence on TikTok, Julianne Bartolota, on, even on Pinterest and um, and on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. Just same thing, Julianne Bartolota. Well, Julianne, you are just a little breath of fresh air, crushing <laughs> it, making the world a better place and making us gals look better along the way. You've been truly inspiring, and I hope that everybody else gets out there this week and is inspired.